Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is Shield Brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Uh, it's pretty good. It's been a little while since we've been recording on a regular basis. We had a big backlog, right? So we uh, took like a month off. Well, we were still doing little things like bucklers and guest spots and stuff, but we took some time off from our regular recordings to, you know, get ourselves centered and whatnot. And so I'm trying to get back into the the moment. Meanwhile, I'm still got my, my job stuff going on. I just had this like six hour interview yesterday and my birthday's at the end of the week. So I'm looking forward to that. Point is, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah, we also took time off because podcasting can become a bit exhausting on top of everything else. And that's why we look to our patrons to, you know, help with the everything else. So before we begin, we are going to thank that illustrious legion. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Prug and Elmquest, Reed D, and Stephen R. Martinez. Now, if you'd like to become a patron and, you know, help us with the overhead, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It is literally 25 cents an episode and that makes the whole thing possible. And today we're here to continue something that was originally meant to be a one and done, but we ended up getting to the end and thinking, oh, well, we need to do more. And you've already seen the title, but we're can, this is a continuation of our Kevin Smith uh, director Smackdown, because at the end we found that I hadn't seen Clerks 2 in a while and Ulrich just hadn't seen Clerks 2, so we couldn't have a sort of definitive conversation involving it. And to continue this conversation, we brought back our guest from then, Chris Chipman. Hey guys, how's it going? Good to be back as always. Yeah, uh, as many of you may know from listening to the last episode, we weren't able to conclude this one. So we gave Dogma the default win and said we'd come back to it and here we are to figure out if clerks 2 can really dethrone dog okay so i'm going to jump right in this real quick like re-watching clerks 2 i'll say that i know why i felt the way i said before because for anyone who hasn't listened to it in a while or if you missed it, anyway point is my my thing with clerks 2 i said before is i felt like it it, it felt very laurels resting in my memory so then when I rewatched it, I got the feeling that the reason why that's what stuck in my brain is because the scenes that stuck out to me in my memory were all, there's no better way to put this, gross. <laughs> yeah. It's a movie that, see, the, the things that are really good about it that, like, you know, Chris brought up that made me want to rewatch it, like, the, I'm, I'm a sucker for, um, I hate the term, but I'm a sucker for bromance. I'm a sucker for like friendship stories and loyalty is a big thing to me. So the whole scene like in the jail cell was excellent for a lot of reasons, although it was also problematic for a lot of reasons because Randall is a is a terrible human being, but he's supposed to be. Anyway, not the point. But like, you know, vomiting Lord of the Rings fan, the entire com thing with the donkey, which I know I get why that's a joke, but it's still and just the sequence of things, the flies in the burger and the, you know, I got a feeling watching that. I was like, I feel like this is a less engaging version of waiting at this point for me. So, you know, that movie waiting. Oh yeah. And you're not wrong. I see a lot of it. I also understand why you, Chris love this movie. I, I really can't understand. So I'm going to give you the mic and let you just kind of have your diatribe you wanted to have originally, but didn't get. Thanks. Um, so first of all, I'm, I'm really psyched that you guys went back and, and Ulrich that you watched it and actually you revisited it because I didn't want to be that guy in the room clamoring for, uh, you know, something that I had fond memories of and have it be, um, you know, 
<laughs> you guys are not seeing at all what I saw in it. I would have felt bad, and I didn't want to drive the conversation in Clerks 2's favor without it getting a fair shake. So I went back and rewatched Dogma and Clerks 2 in the time. And, um, you know, Dogma is still an incredibly great movie. Um, and Clerks 2, I still feel, is an incredibly great movie. It all falls for me, like I tried to say last time, on the level of personability. And this is this is why where you come into Kevin Smith in your geek lives, it's kind of like a friend that you've grown up with. And so you've seen him go through his shitty human being phase or, you know, the, the chasing Amy phase where, you know, he's he thinks he's a progressive guy and the world reacted that he was a progressive guy. And, you know, we've been through this. He went through his mall rats phase where, you know, he tried to make more of a studio comedy. Didn't really work. Came back to that with Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Had a lot of fun. You know, that's like the biggest in joke of all of them. And I, I love that movie. And I had forgotten how much of Dogma was actually very a lot like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. He kind of took his mythos and kind of blended it into a different kind of movie. And so kind of like I did with the Spielberg one, it, it still goes back to, for me, how much the movie speaks to me. Again, again, like we did with Spielberg, it's if you had a movie that was going to represent this person, represent um, bumps, bruises, and all of that and capability as a writer and as a director, what movie do you really want to leave? And Dogma and Clerks 2 are two interesting ones to have there because dogma really showed a growth in kevin smith as a storyteller but for me re-watching dogma the parts that stand out that don't quite work as well in dogma are the parts that are trying to be more in-jokish and i'm not saying the movie doesn't work i'm just saying kind of jay and silent bob kind of stick out like sore thumbs in that movie and they're they're part of it for sure but watching it again you know the characters i like more are the new characters, Alan Rickman is the Metatron, and Chris Rock is the 13th Apostle. You know, everybody else I'm actually enjoying a lot more than the Kevin Smith standards. You know, Jason Lee is fantastic in it. Um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck steal the show. It's, it's amazing they did that movie as kind of a um, favor. But I know that that's kind of more of the critical, darling, but it's less personal to me. It it My speaks to me at, at kind of, what was that? I was just saying, Matt, if I, I, you, you're touching on something I think is really interesting, which is, so I was, when I was watching, when I finished watching Clerks 2, I had this kind of moment where, for me personally, uh, I think Dogma is a better movie, mm. but I think Clerks 2 is a better representation of Kevin Smith as an artistic output. You kind of, you kind of hit on exactly what I was getting at right there. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I felt like you were, you were circling that concept. And I was like, that was a, a big thing for, for me when I was watching it. No, yeah, for sure. And you know, that that's kind of what I look for when, you know, when I was putting my list together, like the reason a movie like Coppa, which you know, is is fine. He's contract directing. You know, we talked about this. The movie reason a movie like this leans so low on the list is because there's no spirit. There's there's nothing him about that movie. You know, um, whereas Dogma, you know, is him kind of growing as a director. It's, it's definitely probably the best made movie he's made. Um, from a production standpoint, it had a great score, it had great cinematography, things that aren't usually found in Kevin Smith movies. But the thing, the thing that strikes me every time I watch Clerks 2 is that, like we said, Randall is a terrible human being. But the difference between Randall's terrible human being for me and, say, the terrible human being that is Jason Lee and Chasing Amy is the terrible human being of Jason Lee 
almost feels like he's airing some of Kevin Smith's grievances. So it feels kind of gross to me. Like, like Chasing Amy used to be like a flag for like progressivism in, in geek cinema. And now it feels like it's almost like an excuse for a guy to like air his dirty laundry a little bit about how he it feels, feels very of... angry yeah. well i was i yeah. was wondering about because that's one of the first things that came to mind watching uh randall bully elias which uh, maybe that just triggered some things for me oh it triggered uh, me big time yeah but i was watching that i was like what makes randall better or worse than jason lee's character and chase and amy i didn't come to a conclusion it was just a question that popped I in my think, head that i thought i I'd bring think up. what makes randall better and I, and I don't mean better as in the things he says are deplorable, but I think what makes him better is it's not even that we're in on the joke is that Randall feels lived in. Randall feels like he's someone that you could know. It makes sense that Dante and Randall are friends, but it's almost in like an anti-hero kind of friendship. Like they complete each other, but they're also the worst possible thing for each other at the same time. Randall's better because of Dante. He wants to be better. You know, when when Randall is truly real is those scenes in the in the prison and the entire story of clerks and the entire story of clerks, too, is leading up to that point. It's a front. All of his anger, all of the N word dropping, all of the, you know, you know, misogynist, nasty shit that Randall pulls is all a front for the fact that he's terrified. He's terrified of everybody going away from him of being left on his own. He's terrified of becoming, have you guys seen Colossal? Yeah. Yes, I love that movie. He's terrified of becoming the um, Jason Sudeikis character. A whole nother level of terrible human being. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Of like yeah. being the only uh, There's guy a lot of parallels him. there, I can see. Like, you know it's not mean? that, it's it's a it's a character devolution there. Well, you know, those of other... the thought had crossed my mind while watching, because, okay, again, I'm a sucker for friendship and loyalty and stuff like that, but I also felt like, you know, taking aside the whether or not Dante is actually into this woman that he was engaged to, like something yep. about the way that um, Randall was, I could tell that it probably crossed his mind too, not to be that he doesn't want his friend to go, but to try to bring that up, tell him to like almost guilt trip him would itself be really shitty. So he's kind of struggling with this concept of like, I got to tell you my feelings because you're my best friend and I want you to stay but I also don't want to be like the shitty person that keeps you from doing the thing that is right. for you. It's complicated. Right. You know? Ran Ran Randall does a lot of growing during Clerks too, And I think that's what makes him better for me and what makes it, I've, I've brought this up with, with Tarantino before um, me and Ulrich were having a conversation over text when he was talking about some of the um, worse things that Randall says in Clerks too. Cause there's some, there's, some There's a I would, good chunk of movie that I, I don't know. Surprised. Why. It, well, the movie kind of hangs its hat on it. That was a really solid joke. And I'm like, okay, I got to double check when this came out in 2006. And I'm like, oh, that is way too late in the see, timeline for that to be a joke that you can hang your hat on. See, it never, it never struck me as funny. Um, and, and I, I, and again, taking it. And again, this is all in the direction you come in. I, I watched these characters be lived in and grow into themselves where I went, no, you're supposed to freaking hate Randall for that. You're supposed to not think that that's funny. All of the Elias stuff, all the gatekeeping crap. This is Kevin Smith leaving that shit behind. And you're watching Randall deal with that throughout the course of the movie, but also getting back to where he was, which is, you know, maybe this dead end job that we thought was a dead end job really isn't, you know, that maybe we need to end up back at the quick stop. Maybe that is what it is. 
and I had a lot of personal stuff going on in my life, watching some friends almost go through this exact same thing. So it's it's kind of weird to parallel that. But I see so Clerk, Clerks 2, again, there's the thing with the donkey is really over the top, but I laughed my ass off at it. But a lot of the Randall stuff, Clerks 2 is less funny to me than it is a drama about friendship. And to me, the majority of the movie works so strongly for that. And it's also very introspective for Smith kind of looking back on his career. Now, granted, he kind of broke very shortly after this movie. And that's where we got Red State and Tusk and um, uh, friggin' Yoga Hosers. Well, according but, um, to Kevin Smith's um, shows, like we're talking online, Zach and Mary make a porno literally did break him. And we, I can't he, remember if Zach and Mary was after before clerks too it's after it's after clerks yeah, too okay, and in, in his yeah in his stories he talks about how because he was basically following judd apatow he expected a uh you know like a 12 point something million dollar opening and when it ended up being a 2.2 million ended up doing what he called regular kevin smith fair that's when he in his words decided broke and became a wake and baker as in someone who just wakes up yeah. and gets down <laughs> exactly and so that's you know when i talked about zach and miri in the last one a lot of the same themes he delved with in Clerks 2 are in Zack and Miri. And that's when I think the movie works the best. But Zack and Miri feels too much like it has schizophrenia between being Kevin Smith and being a Judd Apatow movie. Well, but, for the longest time, I thought that was a Judd Apatow movie. Right. It was him and, trying to make a Judd Apatow movie. Well, he does it so well. I honestly I, I thought that that legitimately was... Uh, Jed Apatow film until not not long ago. Like, oh wait, that was a Kevin Smith film. That doesn't nope. feel like any Kevin Smith I've seen. You know what's funny? It, there's the concept of using the Jason Lee character in Chasing Amy to vent grievances, and we compared him kind of to Randall in a negative light. But I feel like Randall's interesting in that when in the prison sequence in particular, I feel like he's airing something that was both thematically important to the movie and also Kevin Smith saying something very important about himself, yes. which is the idea of live your life the way that's right for you, not the way that other people make you think you should you know and i feel like in a lot of ways he was talking about his himself and his own career that like i'm gonna make my movies with my friends the way i want to not the way that in hollywood or these other people are telling me i should be doing you know right and those things they they speak to me and again your mileage may vary and that's why that's the point of us doing this episode but they speak to me on such a such a visceral level because i've you know, I saw Clerks maybe a year or two after it came out, right? And I've been a fan. I won't say I've loved everything he's done, but I've been a fan of this guy because he seems to wear his heart on his sleeve. And I, I gave Clerks 2 and Dogma the fair shake and went back and watched them both. And Dogma surprised me at how well, I think out of all of his movies, Dogma probably holds up the best. There's very little in there that feels gross. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of like the Chasing Amy stuff where you go, oh, that... It still feels kind of timeless, probably because I mean? it's yeah. dealing probably because it's dealing with such old concepts. Like by tackling a biblical kind of story, he gets to create a kind of set of you know criticisms and interesting ideas and uh, almost philosophies that get to be the same kind of age ageless feeling. Like for me, one of the things I love the most taking away from Dogma is it's not about 
a religion, it's about a really good idea, right? And it's the idea that like faith itself, spirituality isn't inherently bad. It's when you start regimenting it and yes. start, that's when it becomes you know corrupted. And I was like, that was an idea I originally got from dogma. But so there's a, there's a couple concepts I, I want to bring up too. I, in a recent um, episode that we did with you, I mentioned how I had watched 16 Candles and how I was really, really angry about it. But I thought yeah. about it. I thought about it more and I still don't like it, but I realized that I don't like it because I can't engage with it on the level it's meant to be engaged with. And what I mean by that is that 16 Candles specifically is a power fantasy for a teenage girl. That is what it is. It is built from the ground up to to be that. And I can recognize that. And if I try to recognize that, I can understand how the experience could be a lot better than the one I had, but I'm not a teenage girl. I've never been a teenage girl. So I started trying to think about movies in that regard, like how can you engage with them in the way they're meant to? I recently had the same thing with uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. I am a kaiju fan. So of course I'm going to engage with Godzilla as a kaiju fan, but these people who will, you know are more critical of it, you know, they're trying to engage with it in a way that the genre is not really meant to be engaged with. And the reason I bring this up is because I think the same thing is kind of going on with um, some of these, you know, Kevin Smith's films, like like Clerks 2, where it's like, or even something like Chasing Amy, where it's like, okay, how you engage with this movie, what perspective you're bringing to look at it, you have to get into a very specific kind of headspace that it's built for. And once I can do that, it's easier for me to see Clerks 2, I think, the way that you're describing it, which is why I wanted to go back and watch it in the first place. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so but I feel like you're kind of, mi well, maybe not missing, but maybe here's my thing. See, I enjoyed Clerks 2 a lot more than I thought I would because this whole thing is kind of telling me I'm not necessarily a fan of Kevin Smith. I think he relies way too much on gross-out humor, and a lot of his stuff hasn't necessarily aged well. But I have worked retail, I have worked restaurant, I have been the places that, you know, these people are and i can get that part and i think kind of like the biggest thing i was really enjoying clerks too like oh this is pretty good i mean i'm not really digging the whole dante story that feels kind of weird and we'll circle back to it we have to address it but it kind of has a racist diatribe that made me stop the movie and go where is this coming from and why is this still in your movies yeah so no, that's even fair. if i can understand where they're coming from that's not my issue my issue is more getting past the i don't like the shit jokes i don't like the piss jokes i don't like this weird need to have a list of every racial slur against black people in a movie and then have one of them going i'm a white person and i'm going to reclaim it be the joke for the remainder of the movie that's fair i mean i i never took it that that was intended to be a joke as an audience member that i was supposed they, to laugh at there's a couple ones like they keep having black characters react to it what's written on the back of his shirt and oh, it's yeah, like oh, it's like why i i know you're better than this this is just what is the point of this and that really kind of took me out of it in the same way that you know chasing amy a lot of gross stuff in there that kind of took me out of it or even in dogma when they fight the poop monster i'm like you know you had a really good movie going here and then you took a hard left into this i'm just gonna fast forward through this bit well to 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 the poop monster's credit that's a legitimate thing i know it is but just because it is doesn't mean it needs to be there. Oh, I agree. Well, I, would, I would say it does because the entire purpose of dogma is essentially a deconstruction I mean, of is, the Bible. Yeah, it's a giant piss take of Christianity as faith, essentially, in a way of 
Kevin Smith to comment on it. And he's and in that scene, literally, he's like, look at this ridiculous thing that exists in that book. And you're going to try to tell me that, you know, my dick and fart jokes are are terrible, you know? There's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible, and I just don't know if that's the necessary one. I mean, there's a lot of rape in the Bible, but we don't need necessarily put that in a movie to make the point still work. Yes. I mean, thankfully, there's no rape in Dogma. Yeah, I mean, the third uh, Chris Rock's Thirteen Apostle does a great job of kind of pointing out a lot of the hypocrisy in the Bible without stooping to the lowest common level or lowest joke. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a short um, detour here and say that also after rewatching Clerks Two, I want to illustrate this. If the conversation is uh, about movies that are you know very much in keeping with Kevin Smith's particular style, why Clerks Two over Clerks? And I want to establish that I think that personally I might enjoy Clerks more because of its rawness. But I think Clerks 2 being better produced, having been done after essentially 12 years of him being in the business, so he gets to kind of like polish his ideas. The fact that Clerks 2 doesn't require Clerks 1 at all to function as a narrative, I am completely okay with Clerks 2 winning being chosen over clerks one i just didn't have the the vocabulary to explain that before and i wanted to give take a moment to say that so yeah and having watched both i did not enjoy clerks not because the setup the dialogue or any of that was bad it's just everyone was such a beginning actor a lot of the stuff felt really clunky and in this one they felt like actual conversations and a lot of revelations were had because this movie came out when I was in high school and a lot of people love to quote this movie and I had no point of reference for it till now, which also kind of colors my opinion because some of the people's favorite things to quote from this movie says a lot about them and where I grew up and the time period I yeah. grew up in. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's an interesting thing that kind of like what Ulrich said, I feel like I remember saying the same thing with Chasing Amy, how there was like an emotional honesty in Chasing Amy that I, I really liked and that it, it, uh, regardless of like the stuff around it that was distracting. And I feel like I'm having a similar thing with clerks too. Like there's an emotional center and a core here that I really enjoy. And the scenes when that gets to really be on screen, I really like I'm having back and forth feelings about Dante's relationship troubles. I feel like the main emotional core here is about friends, but you know, so much of the story is actually built up about this relationship stuff. Although I will say that I don't have the actress's name on hand, but the one who's the boss, she's uh, doing- Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Thank you. She's doing an excellent job. Oh, that's that's uh, Claire from Daredevil, isn't it? There you yes, go. Yes, it is. Yeah. She, all right. She's awesome. Point being, uh, and her and Dante have legitimate chemistry together. Um, and yeah. and I and I liked that. Yeah. My my point is that in this case, it's like so those scenes. I like them, but they feel like they might be pulling away a bit from the stuff I like the most, which is very Dante Randall centric. But I get like Jay being naked <laughs> while doing the, the, the that silent actually lamp made on. me laugh. I was, I, and I don't laugh at Jay and Silent Bob jokes, but that was just what the fuck is going on here? All right, then you, you take I, that one. Uh, my my point being, I feel like there's a lot of distracting distracting stuff happening in this movie right now i feel like my general feelings are i'm leaning towards for this particular conversation i'm leaning towards clerks too just because of as i said earlier i think it might be a best representation of kevin smith and be quintessential kevin smith even though i think dogma is a much better movie but even though i'm feeling that i just want to get across that like my experience with clerks too i felt a lot of times it was really hard for me to keep watching like i was having a hard time keeping my eyes on the screen you know like it was cringy 
This is fascinating. That is fair. So, so another thing, and I, I want to go back to Ulrich's comments because um, I want to make sure it's clear that that I agree that all of the stuff that Randall says in this movie is is deplorable, right? It just I don't know why, but it's it's all in how it feels it's presented. And to me, both times watching it, it didn't register outside of it, you know, me going, this is awful that he's saying this. It didn't was trying to say that they backed those things because they were, I'm not saying Randall gets retribution. He's not not racist at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? But he doesn't make up for it. But as a friend, you know, he kind of shows what's under his skin a little bit more by the end of the film. Where isn't chasing Amy, we never get a retribution like that for Jason Lee. He just continues to get to be himself. And that's well, the thing that always struck me as off about chasing Amy. Well, also, Jason Lee and chasing Amy doesn't really directly have people not like one of the worst things in chasing Amy is his whole picture with the, the dollar bill thing. Like, I hate that scene. Yeah. But no one's responding to him. Yeah, but no one's responding to him in that scene in such a very negative way. Whereas the worst scene for Randall and Clerks too, the uh, racial derogatory diatribe, is immediately followed by literally every other main character around him, like yelling at him and saying, "You are wrong. This is right. Wrong. Here this are the is, reasons this, why you're wrong." I I get the the idea of that being played as a joke because, as as Ulrich put it, it it's it's the Fight Club problem, right? Part of the audience is going to sit there and get the wrong impression from that, and so. The things Randall says, you get, you know, a young, impressionable or just, you know, closeted racist person walks away and they think it would be funny, you know, wear a Randall costume for Halloween that has, you know, that cape on it saying that, you know, and uh, and it just for some reason, and maybe it's because I'm watching it as an adult that's grown up with the characters and this stuff, but I always took it that you're supposed to think that Randall sucks. And you're supposed to think it's like the bigoted grandfather. You know what I mean? You're supposed to go, that guy is not the good guy. Or at least what that guy's saying is, and I, and I, like Axel just said, everybody reacts so negatively to it. But I want to make sure I'm not advocating that it like gets a pass just because I think that it makes sense for the character. If, if I remade the movie or if Kevin Smith remade the movie, it's kind of pointless to have that in there. They could have gotten across that Randall is a shitbag in other ways. I mean, in Clerks, they did it, you know, without having to resort to stuff like that. Yeah, and that's kind of the part that really bugs me a lot, is he has this whole thing, and then he goes the rest of the movie still thinking he's in the right, and it's kind of played off as, well, that's just the way he is. And Right, I agree. I look at this through modern context and going, no, that is, that, that is not the way it is, especially in our current climate of you know, people saying that and thinking it's okay. So that really bugged me. But the other one I kind of want to circle back to before Before you circle back, I want to say that, because something that I think applies to you about that specifically, and me, and, you know, anyone else might be listening, but because the emotional core of Clerks 2 seems to be about, you know, friendship and how your life moves forward and things like that, I think it's less, for me anyway, it's less about whether or not, you know, it's, it's like a pass and more about like, hey, don't you have a friend that you're friends with even though you recognize that they have some really shitty views or views you don't agree with. I know for a right. fact, Ulrich, that you've got a friend who you have extremely large disagreements with about very important things. And that, you know, has been a danger to your friendship in the past, but you still, you know, have that person in your life. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I can get that and I can follow that. And I can understand that part. It's just, I still don't 
like that the narrative of the movie is that we're supposed to laugh at this and that we're supposed to play it off as, yeah, he's just dumb and it's no real big deal. It's the Cartman and South Park thing. Oh, God. Yeah. That, I, I get that. I get that. How how um how far how, how close on the line is it to you know I just want to ex- an excuse to put this on film. Uh, I, I get it. And that's almost it. what it feels like. Like if I did not know Kevin Smith better and I hadn't seen more of his stuff, I would almost be cocking an eyebrow or two, going, "What are you really trying to say here?" Well, let me put it this way: if Dante was the one saying these things. I think I'd be a lot more in line with exactly that frame of thinking. But since Randall's the one saying it and Dante and Bex are the ones literally telling him he's wrong, then it comes off to me as, hey, since Dante is kind of our actual, this is about his life primarily speaking, and then Randall is a person in his life, it's like a kind of representation of having those kind of people in your life. That it's like, you can be friends with someone who is a shitty person, but you still have, you know, redeeming qualities in their friendship. It doesn't excuse that those behaviors, but it's just a representation of life, you know? Yeah, and that's a whole conversation to be had on toxicity and that nightmare. So let's talk about Dante, because I have issues with him. Sure, in this movie. sure. By the way, can I say that the, the line that made me laugh the most in the entire movie was just Randall saying, how come you always have two hot girls fighting over you? Something about <laughs> that just, I was, I was laughing a lot. Lost my train of thought there for a second. You want to talk about Dante? Oh, Dante, yeah. So here's my problem with Dante in this movie. He is set up and has a fiance and is ready to move on. And then by the end of it, it's like, no, I didn't really want any of that. I don't know. I was just being pressured into that by this woman. That also kind of feels like, uh, did I really misinterpret that? I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with, I think you misinterpreted that. I don't think he's being pressured by the woman. I think she was, she was a pressurable person, but it's only because, um, I, I don't think that's necessarily what's pressuring him. I think she and her family and everything else represents him escaping. It represents him getting out. It represents him leaving all of the um, n- imperfect things behind him. So it's leaving Randall. It's leaving Jane, Silent Bob. And at that point, it's leaving this mistake I made where I, you know, got my boss pregnant. Do you know what I mean? Where he doesn't see right in front of his face that that was actually the better situation for him, even though life and, you know, um, the textbook definition of success would tell him differently. And And totally, and on paper, obviously, I think what Dante does, like everything about it is pretty shitty because we're we're shown in the, with the fiance's first scene that she does seem to care about him. She is pressurable, certainly, but she doesn't like do anything objectively bad to him basically no she's yeah she's she's just really into him and yeah he just fucking blows it (laughs) yeah so on paper it's like all right this comes off as as especially shitty and you know in the movie it is but the purpose of it in the movie is different than just a layout of the sequence of events since this is all these things are basically metaphors for how dante is viewing his life up to that point and how he's viewing his future and giving essentially an established choice of he's taking what is seemingly to other people to be the shittier choice because the one he realizes is better for him even if it hurts him in the moment is the kind of thing that is literalized than what Randall tells him about picking the life that is the one you, that you is for you, not the one you think is for you. Right. And so it's like, 
it's lessened as literalization of narrative. See, my issue, and I know it's more to it, but there's almost a take of character does bad thing and is rewarded. What's the bad thing? Character cheats and betrays fiance and is rewarded with his dream job. I mean, fair. Th- th- and that maybe that's what f- kind of rubs me wrong about it, is we're supposed to like him and root for him. But well, what I well, have... the thing is, is you're not supposed to necessarily like and root for Dante. Dante, as Randall points out, is kind of a miserable, self-destructive schlub. That was and the also... whole point of the original Clerks, is that Don- Randall, for all of his bumps and bruises and racism and nastiness, is 100% true to himself. Whereas Dante's putting on a show. Dante is always trying to be different than what Dante is. And also keep in mind the nature of said reward, quote unquote, because to put aside just for a second, Dante's actual personality and the people he's with, say you're looking at this story without those kind of things. You've got a story about a man who works at a convenience store, burns down. He goes and works at a, a McDonald's essentially. Then he meets a, a wonderful woman whose family seems to like him well enough that they're going to buy him a house and get him a better job running his own business, essentially, in this car wash. He cheats and knocks up his boss at the current place, so then his fiance leaves him. He loses the woman, that woman who cared about him. He loses that job, that family, that stability. Instead, he's stuck going back to... The, the life he the the piss poor essentially life he had before he stuck with the woman he knocked up like on paper and without context that doesn't sound like a reward that sounds like punishment and I think that's part I of the point of what's going the on the point of the point of the movie is Dante having to come to realize the fact that he's actually getting a reward See, it's it's learning learning to accept the fact that this is what this was kind of his destiny the whole time and he he hurts so many people. This isn't him being rewarded for not being a shitbag. This is him kind of getting his comeuppance. It's kind of like the turning point. Like, shit or get off the pod, buddy. Are, are you going to Are you gonna basically force this woman you knocked up to either have the kid on her own or get rid of it and go and live this fake life and have that on your conscience the whole time and not be true to anybody? Or are you going to actually take up the reins and take some freaking responsibility for what you've done, even if it hurts a lot. Of I just had an epiphany as we were talking about this. Oh, sweet. And it may go into, it's an, it's an interesting diatribe, so stick with me. This movie's plot is almost beat for beat. What I have seen happen so much in my life with people around me, both personal, went to school with, grew up in, in that they had opportunity to take better life, but through poor choices, they, you know, stumbled into this and then they have tried to rewrite. They're going, but, you know, actually, I'm happier living this one, be it an excuse for their drug addiction, unemployment or whatever. And maybe that's why it kind of rubs me the wrong way, because if you take out the pregnancy angle, it was still kind of implied he had feelings for her. So it, maybe that's what rubs me the wrong way. I'm seeing so much of people I've known go, I would rather remain this shit person I am now than self-improve. And I'm going to spin this narrative of this is what is really the better option. Well, see a counter to that though, is that Dante taking the, the on paper better option. So going off with the fiance and getting the life would have been great for everyone around Dante, but it wouldn't have been good for Dante. 
because he would have continued being the same shitty person he was. The kind of person that would leave his friends behind and, you know, basically flip off the world that he was coming from, which again, isn't necessarily always a bad thing. If, if, if it's drugs and things you're talking about, that's a, that is a very different story, but I think it's, it's a counter to that because it's causing Dante for the first time in two films worth of, you know, buildup to actually have some freaking balls. You, you could also view it from, so everything you said, Ulrich basically up the same, but instead of, justification more like finding your i hate using this phrase because it's really cliche but making the best out of your situation realizing that there is enjoyment to be had in his situation and like chris said for some of these people that you've mentioned in your life that's not healthy but i'm just saying that that could be another way that the film is necessarily viewing it is like hey you've got these situations and you've got one where you could be hollow in a good situation or one where you could be whole in a bad situation and you chooses like the film comes down philosophically on the latter that it's better to be whole yourself in a situation that isn't uh, necessarily easy or conventional than to be fake or hollow in one that is. And See, Randall does put it to him that you could go and do this. Just remember what you're leaving behind. It's not like Randall doesn't all of a sudden have this epiphany and you're just supposed to go. Yeah, he's 100 percent right. Dante has to come to terms with that. Yeah, and I kind of feel like, one, this movie could almost be interpreted similar, as we said earlier with the racism, is a, uh, as a story of if you are in what could be perceived as a toxic situation, it's okay because it makes you happy. Or I almost think the Ooh. better ending would be Dante realizing that he has sabotaged himself and that he's held himself back and you know he needs to do something more with his life and maybe that's kind of the, why he cheated on his fiance was it was him sabotaging his attempt to actually be better and maybe that's the more poignant thing. and maybe that's why the more i think about this, the more it kind of rubs me the wrong way yeah i, I think but, it's but funny that I, uh, just to say sorry i think it's funny that we're spending most of this time talking specifically about clerks too obviously the reasons why but it's like we're not really talking about dogma because we all seem to be in agreement that dogma is good that it holds up uh but that it maybe doesn't necessarily line up with kevin smith's rest of his filmography like it was a very uh, like you said it was growth it was philosophical he was exploring switching ideas but not the kind of ones that he explores very often so really the point of this conversation is more about where we all already know and agree where dogma sits so we're just really trying to get a grip on how we feel about Clerks 2 to whether we feel it, it is appropriate to choose it over Dogma or not. Right? I, I, sorry, I just yeah, think it's an interesting... I agree. Agreed, agreed. And, and Ulrich, to the point you just made, see, I look at... See, Dante always takes the easy way out. That's, that's the historical Dante Hicks. He always goes with the relationship that's easy that he doesn't have to try hard for. If you remember the line at the end of Clerks... Kevin Smith, the silent Bob, says to him, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but not everyone brings you lasagna at work. Dante's always chasing this thing that's better than what's right in front of him. And so for him to succeed in going off with this thing that's so different than what he has always been doing, and I don't mean the, um, the sabotage, him going and marrying this girl was actually played by Kevin Smith's wife. And I've always found it really funny that he gave her that role. Oh, I just, didn't realize that. It's oh, just I an odd know, that's thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, it's just it's completely weird because she she comes off different in that movie than she does when you see her in like interviews and stuff. So it's really back as well. Exactly. Um, so that to me is actually it's 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 a weird lens to look at it through but that would have been dante sabotaging himself that would have been untrue to the whole point that silent bob made at the end of clerks is that you've got this good thing right here like and i'm not saying it's a good thing that's easy it's a good thing that's going to take some work you've got this good thing right here and for dante you you take it as a negative that him and going and taking what is essentially a dead-end job but the dead-end job was at the fast food place he was working for other people for him and randall to go to buy and reopen the quick stop is him stepping up and taking control of his life it's like no i'm gonna run the thing that i love I'm not just going to show up and I'm not supposed to be here today and complain about it and whine. I'm actually going to take ownership and do something with my life. And to me, that's actually the the first time Dante's really stepped up and grown as a character. Because, yeah, we point, Randall says negative stuff and nasty stuff, so that makes him a more villainous character. But Dante treats basically everybody in his life like a piece of shit for the majority of two movies. And also, while I feel like I'm I'm on the side of defending what I think are actually some interesting, uh, not necessarily bad lessons, because I feel like the lessons in this movie are very contingent upon who the lesson is being spoken to. Like, yes. it's, it's been on a very specific kind of people. I do think it's important to note that having a movie's lesson be a not good one, to me, isn't inherently a point against... For instance, one of my favorite movies in existence, period, is Nightcrawler. And it could be easily Oof. argued easily argued that the lesson in Nightcrawler is that chasing your ambitions to the, to the detriment of literally everything and everyone else around you will lead to success, which is a terrible lesson. But I love that that's basically what's coming out of that movie, because that movie is awesome and creepy as fuck. So my point is that even if the the lessons coming out of clerks too, if you view them as being like not something that a healthy person should be taking to heart, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, to me, that's not an instantly a negative thing in the movies favored. It's contingent upon how that lesson is meant to be seemingly meant to be interpreted by the audience. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I feel that the characters in the film that are so prominent, um, Dante, Randall and Elias, um, specifically because they we spend the most time with them are all parts of Kevin Smith's personality. You know, Elias represents the fact Kevin Smith is still a, a man of faith. He's a religious person. He's very lapsed. But, you know, Elias being like the super like culty, like, you know, creepy, you know, but also like incredibly geeky in the not really cool and accepted kind of way that Elias looks at Dante and Randall as, even though, you know, they're all aspects of Kevin Smith. And it's interesting how much that movie bears its heart. And that's that again, I'm not, it's not a perfect film. I'm not saying that I feel the, the donkey scenes a little much, even though it makes me laugh my ass off just because it's so ridiculous. Um, the, you know, the flies and the burgers, it, it almost feels like there were times where he just lacked confidence. And then when you really get there and see, I, I mean, I, saw, I talked about this the last time, but that scene at the go-kart park and that scene in the prison are so goddamn perfect. I don't think he's put a thing to screen 
that's matched that in his entire filmography, and I don't think he will again. They just also, perfectly represent those two characters. I do. I do want to say that the 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 pickle fucker conversation. <laughs> I felt, I felt like that was a good setup that they took too far. If it was yes. just the the seniors made him stick it up and walk, like at that point I was like, okay, I get it. Yes. It's fun. it's the whole pulling it out, re-putting it. It's like, no, you've taken this too too far to a ridiculously gross level now, and I'm pulled out of the experience. Yeah, I think that's that. my main problem with his sense of humor, is it's he's the guy that has a good joke and then just takes it too far. The family guy problem. Yeah, exactly, and I, I would not um, dispute those things. Like I said, they don't hurt the movie fully for me. Also, the, the, the reason to have a dance number three-quarters of the way through the movie, I've never understood. He seemed to really be having a good time. The, I will the, say the I Michael I was Jackson thing. That. Oh, I enjoy it. It just doesn't make any lick of sense as to why it's in the damn movie. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, near it, the end of our time. Yeah, of so course, of course. Try and figure out a conclusion or something. Here's what. Here's my last thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna use as an argument for you, Ulrich. Because right now, like I said, I think Dogma is a much much better movie maybe uh, maybe i'm being hyperbolic when i say much much but i adore dogma whereas i felt myself very conflicted about clerks too but i think kevin smith himself is a messy director with a filmography that has a lot of ups and downs and i think that clerks too while being i would say that jane silo strike back is probably more of a better representation of his work but that is pulled down by other factors like it being largely an in-joke and you know, having all these kind of things so clerks too so outside of jane silo Bob strikes back Clerks 2 is extremely representative of Kevin Smith as his output and also as a person. So even if you find the movie to be like you're having these problems with the movie, that's just kind of all the more reason why it's more of a quintessential movie for him because he's the kind of guy who makes films like Yoga Hosers and also makes films like Dogma. So he's got these, these ups and downs and that's kind of all – present in the one movie of clerks 2 where you've got the amazing scenes like the go-kart scene and you've got scenes that go way too far into disgusting zone like pickle fucker so by that argument dogma is more like a peak example like i might argue it might be him at his like best quote unquote but clerks 2 is more like the best representation of him that would be my argument to push to you auric does that make sense yeah no I agree. So before we get to the grand conclusion and Chris and I have our parts and before we lose our listeners in the conclusion, let's do the ad read, which we're trying to get better about. Uh, this week's episode is once again brought to you by the Talkbuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce about their times working for Blockbuster. Even if you've never worked for Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find something to enjoy. Listen to the Talkbuster podcast and all your favorite platforms. I kind of feel... Like the re after finishing this, I get why you, Chris, like this movie so much because I can see a lot of parallels you can draw from your days at Blockbuster to the Stop and Shop. Am I correct? A quick stop, yep. Yeah, so I just thought that was something interesting. Like, when I got to the end, I'm like, okay, I can see why Chris enjoys this movie as much as he does. Yes, it's, um, I mean, I saw Clerks 2 in the theater the day it came out with the entire crew of people I worked at Blockbuster with. So, so go listen and to I, Talkbuster and I, and podcast. I, get a little bit more insight on this. Yes, yes. Um, in fact, think about while you're listening to it, a bunch of people doing inventory at Blockbuster, watching all of these movies and quoting them while they worked. Not the bad parts. 
You didn't quote the bad parts. Please. No, just, no. Put that, well, put that on the record because this is on the internet because that's the last thing you want. Yes, yes. I, I, I was definitely quoting Randall the whole time. <laughs> cool. Freaking milkshake duck. That's me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I believe Axel's cast his vote for Clerks 2. Is that Axel? a confirmation? Yeah, my my. Well, remember we wanted to make this more of a as unanimous as we can, but I I think my last little bit was a good kind of closing statement for me and my feelings. Okay, Chris, do you have any closing thoughts before I render what I my thoughts? Because I think I'm the one that's on the fence. So my my closing thought is that everything Axel just said is exactly my stance, but having rewatched Dogma and Clerks too in close proximity to each other. Um, Clerks 2 ekes by for me um, because of of that fact that Axel just made. It's not like, oh my god, Clerks 2 is leaps and bounds, you know, the top Kevin Smith movie that should represent him. It's it's because of that personability. It's because it represents him so much as a director and as a writer. Um, I agree with Axel that Dogma is the better film, but we're not judging on better films. We're judging about the you know people are going to have one movie to represent this guy going forward what is it it's clerks to all the way and you know points that you guys made that axel made that i really hadn't thought of but it's really important is clerks 2 is kind of self-contained from clerks it, it builds on the relationship of characters but it tells you enough of what you needed to know where you don't have to have seen that movie to to appreciate it and i you know, that isn't necessarily a Kevin Smith trait. You know, Kevin Smith's traits are usually, you're not going to get most of these jokes unless you've seen every other movie he made. Clerks 2 does have a very self-contained feel that I hadn't really thought of, whereas, you know, Chasing Amy, half of its jokes are dialing back to other movies. Dogma, all the religious stuff is very fresh and new, but everything involving Jay and Silent Bob and the, you know, comic book stuff and the winks and nudges are all nods back to clerks and chasing Amy and the mall rats. So, I mean, that just that revelation now really kind of makes it a bit of a unique thing, even though it's so representative of what he's great at. So clerks too for me. So here's the interesting thing. This whole episode format was inspired by a tweet about saving one Spielberg film and Chris and I going into a long long feud regarding E.T. which it was is wonderful. Quickly becoming famous in certain circles, which I find interesting. So, we haven't really had a format. This is the second time we've done this, and we've kind of tweaked it. You know, we added brackets, we added a unanimous vote, we did things like that. And much like when we got to the end of Spielberg, it wasn't necessarily what is the best Spielberg movie, what is the most impactful Spielberg movie, because that would probably have to go to Schindler's List. It yeah, we, is, we agreed on that. What is the best representation of this uh, person's work? What is the best, like, if you're going to introduce them to this one, what is the best way to do it? And while I love Dogma, I think Dogma is a great, it's the first Kevin Smith movie I watched, I would not go off and say, oh, you really enjoyed Dogma? Okay, now try Chasing Amy, because that you're not going to get the same experience. And nope. I think we have proven with this conversation that there's a lot to pick apart about Clerks, and whether I like it or not, the fact that we can have longer conversations about it says more, I think, to its quality or its merit as the winner of this, because I'm going to vote Clerks too as well. And 
it is a great representation of Kevin Smith because if you walk away from this going, I don't know about this guy. I mean, he had some great jokes, but that whole donkey show was just gross and weird. And I don't get the weird, the racism that they just felt in. I don't know if this is for me, then you're probably like me go, you know what? I'm going to cherry pick Kevin Smith. But if you're like, that movie had a lot of flaws, but I really enjoyed it. I want to check out the rest of this guy's filmography. Then I think Clerks 2 is a great litmus test for will you enjoy Kevin Smith? All right. And this is a uh, proof that it was a good thing. We decided to push off the conversation because I remember when we started this, I was like, it's going to be dogma. It's totally going to be dogma because I love dogma. But yeah, going back and revisiting Clerks 2 and as you said, kind of re-examining our our conditions for winning this. Uh, yeah, we so it's unanimous. Clerks too. <laughs> this is awesome. Did not see that. This is fascinating because again, we started this with like dogma because dogma is the best thing he's probably ever made. And yeah, here I, agree. Are I, after... I would I, I would love to see him work in that world again. I would oh, love yeah. to see another another uh, religious farce. That would be really cool. I maintain there's some cool, if you take a lot of the theism out of, you know, religious stories, there's a lot of Hollywood blockbusters to be made. If you could detach yourself. Oh yeah. From the well, strict also appearance. remember there is a large contingent of people who really love red state. And I, I get it. I'm one of them. So. Yeah. Red state's awesome. I want the original ending. Cause that just sounds crazy. Yeah. Like I don't dislike red state. I just think I would have liked it a lot better with the original ending. But I'm saying it's like, it's not like he hasn't recome to the same kind of concepts, but it's just not his normal wheelhouse. So, And I will say this, while watching certain movies like Chasing Amy caused me immense physical pain, I am now want to see, what is it, Jay and Silent Bob 3 that he's working on? Oh, yeah. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I am yeah. I'm super hyped. I'm on that. board have, now. I have no idea how to actually feel about it, but I'm like, that's going to be an experience. The production that's, that's diaries gonna... alone make me want to see it. Which that, I think that's a great side effect of this whole thing. Like I'm not really a Kevin Smith fan before, not really a Kevin Smith fan now, but that I'm sitting here going, all right, what is he doing now? How has he changed as a director from the last thing I saw him in? What kind of weird is this going to put in? What kind of weird conversation are we going to have after that? You know, as someone who absolutely and vividly hates Tusk, I can say that at the very least it's an example of, Man, sometimes you don't know what to expect from Kevin Smith, and he's going to give you something to talk about. And I'd say that summarizes his entire filmography. After watching yeah. it, watching it, no two films are exactly the same. Hundred percent. So, if you've enjoyed this, make sure you know you like, leave comments, whatnot, and maybe suggest, hey, what director should we do next? I know which one that Chris wants us to do next, and it makes Ulrich want to pop his eyes out. It makes me want to pop my eyes out. Are you kidding me? That's why I did it. <laughs> We'll see if we do that one, Chris. Do you think I suggested uh, Michael Bay because I like Michael Bay? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I have more respect for you than to believe that. But, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> oh. We might do Michael not, Bay. We might. I have not seen... How many Transformers movies has he made? I've seen Six? two of his Transformers movies total. I've seen... I've only of, seen three of them. I think across Michael Bay's entire filmography, I've watched maybe five of his films. So if we ever do do that particular smackdown that's going to be a miserable month for me <laughs> well i'm interested i'm interested only that it's going to get me to see the island which i strangely didn't see i don't remember i know i watched the island and i know i read the book that the island is based on but uh yeah no memory kind of like spider-man 2 for some reason well, yeah we anyway. should um ooh, sam raimi oh, 
I have been accused of being a Raimi fanboy, so that would be fun. <laughs> I have also been accused of being a Raimi fanboy. I mean, I am Movie Bob's brother. Yeah, right? For the record, I actually did like Far From Home, even though I didn't like Homecoming. So, you know, not I guess not completely blind Raimi fanboy or whatever. All right, hey, I can let you uh, plug some stuff. Oh, me. Yes, me, 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 me. Um, no, uh, thank you. Um, this is Chris Chipman at the Chippa on Twitter, um, patreon.com slash the Chippa. If you're thinking about being um, uh, nice and giving me a dollar or two. Um, but please also, if you're not already a patron of Geeks with Shields, um, help them out as well because um, we work together a lot. So, you know, I like building up people with me and not just, you know, stealing all of their money and fans. Not at all. Um, uh, I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother Movie Bob, creating geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility with my wife, the Talkbuster podcast, like you heard was the sponsor for this episode, and shooting the shit with Chippo, which I have got a two or three month backlog of episodes recorded for now because I'm crazy. Um, and also later this summer, if you're in the Boston or North Shore of Massachusetts area or feel like traveling, um, I'm doing a live recording of the Talkbuster podcast with my original crew from the Salem Mass store in Salem. So that should be pretty damn cool. Um, so help me out and there's also some giveaways going on when i hit a certain amount of dollars on my patreon giving away some stickers from the last blockbuster in the world in bend oregon and a shirt a sweatshirt signed by the whole store including the franchise owner so um again really appreciate every chance these guys give me to be on here and i hope you uh find me by listening to them or find them by listening to me well we appreciate you coming on we always have a good time i had a good time i'm in a good mood i mean i was already having a good day but in a good mood still oh me too i uh, i didn't think we were going to get as much mileage out of um this conversation actually yeah i was actually concerned that's why when ulrich said we're not going to do suggestions of the week spoiler by the way we're not doing suggestions of the week this time i was like i don't know if we're gonna cut up all the time but here we go no i know us too well and as my mom loves to point out she said you finally found someone that can talk as much as you two <laughs> well i think oh. that's a perfect <laughs> note to take us out on Ulrich. <laughs> yep. yep so thank you for listening be sure to like share subscribe do all the things because that's how this works you don't like you don't share you don't subscribe we don't go anywhere we don't get any bigger we can't get more guests we can't do more shows we can't do that god awful michael bay director smackdown oh i don't want to do it you can't make me and to give Ulrich a bit of a break, I got to take a moment to do my contractually obligated. Hey, whatever you're watching us on, whatever platform, thank you. Uh, the main one I'm supposed to push is SoundCloud. I know that we were going on the Podbean, but we might have to put that on the back burner. We're still on Podbean. Oh, okay. Well, cool. We're also on Podbean then. And if there's any other platform that you'd like to see us on, tell us so we can look into it. I love how it's contractually obligated. What co who brought you the contract? I don't remember sending you any. See, um, that was the me. <laughs> there we go. That's better than the joke I was going to make. <laughs> All right. As always, this has been Lord Commander O and his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay on.